You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coburn. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. So welcome to the podcast. Today is the 3rd of August and it is absolutely roasting hot here in Spain. Okay, without any further ado, let me go across to Neil Colborne and find out, is it equally as hot where you are the other side of the mountain? Neil, good day, welcome to you. What's your weather like? Well, Vince, good morning to you. Oh, it's afternoon now, but yeah, uh, very hot. Hot, hot, hot. Uh, this morning as I went for a walk, it was 34 in the shade and it's getting, it's not getting any cooler. Wow. Okay, well, look, yeah. uh, the gear has been difficult to say the least. So uh, what we'll do, we'll get cracking fairly quickly. Um, right. Fingers crossed for a good following wind. Here we go. Okay, well, we have been looking at the um, profits being announced by BP uh, at a time when everybody's struggling to announce profits that have been absolutely sky high. Uh, We're talking billions of pounds sterling uh, and given to the shareholders at a time when everybody else is struggling. Um, I I think it's, it's taken the mickey, quite honestly. I don't know about you. Well, it's definitely taking the mickey. At one time, BP were called British Petroleum and we sold it off. It's the same as everything else. We just keep selling it off and then everybody seems to get... (laughs) All the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. You know, and it's supposed to be our fuel. You know, they make me laugh with that. You know, we're selling all silver, all our best silver, and then when there comes a bit of a problem, uh, everybody's up in arms. But, I mean, this, this BP, like, we used to get up most of our oil from uh, from the United Arab, Arab, Arab Emirates, you know. So what, what, what's, why haven't they, you know, come up to the thing, up to the mark and, and give us a few, you know, give, pump more oil to us to keep it lower? And the same with gas. We had British gas. Where did that go? You know, it, it just makes me laugh, this. Well, I mean that, that is that is obscene. That, that how many billions they've made in, in first quarter a year? It's absolutely obscene. Well, it is, and also you know people of our age are able to remember that we had North Sea gas, and um, you know that the thing is, we probably wouldn't have become as aware of it as when we're talking about things like this now, uh, because these people uh, have been making a much a profit over the years over uh, British gas and uh, North Sea oil and everything. Uh, now that we have a crisis, of course, um, all these millionaires and, and the richer people, they don't seem to want to know anything, do they? No. Then that's, that's the trouble. They're all getting massive payouts from these shares. It's, it's nobody from where I come from and that that's, that's making thousands upon thousands. No, you know, it's all. It's just the rich and the richer get. You know, they get richer and we get poorer. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if after the MPs haven't got shares in BP and, and all the other bits and bats, where we don't get a chance of it. Well, I'm pretty sure Richie Sunak will have it, and uh, certainly Ooh. when you look at the um, well, well, for example, in the papers this morning, they're talking about closing down the Hinkley 
uh, Hinkley Point Power Station. Uh, I mean, uh, you'd have to be rather stupid to want to close down a power station when you're likely going to have the whole country struggling for uh, uh, oil or gas in the next months coming ahead. It doesn't make sense, does exactly. it? It doesn't make any sense at all, that, because... Listen, all these green, these people who want green to come in by 2030, you know, complete green by 2030, 2035, 40, whatever it is, you cannot shut... Right, they don't want nuclear. They don't want coal. They don't want gas. They don't want the oil. They don't want anything. Well, I've got news for them. Them little hurdy-gurdy things that are stuck in sea and they're blighting everybody's land all over the place... That's not going to produce enough uh, electricity or anything else for anything. Why don't they try what I've been bleating on about for years? The sea, water. Yeah. Put the big generator in the water. When the tide goes that way, it's, it's working. When it goes out, it's working and all that. All our factories were run by streams with, with a water wheel on the side that were turning and it, all they were doing were generating all the electricity they needed. You try telling these that, no, no. The sea's massive and it's so powerful. You know what the, the you know the, the what the sea and the water's like. It's really powerful and it'll get you as much electricity as you want. But oh no, do you want to go messing about with people putting bits of glass on top of the roof and big hurdy gurdies that only last, I think it's something like six and a half years, the blades, and then they can't get rid of the blades. Nobody want nobody will want them blades any, anywhere, and the same as this lithium battery. That's another load of nonsense. How are you going to charge all these cars with a bit of glass on your roof and a bit of an hurdy-gurdy going around? It's not going to happen. Well, I think the other thing is, uh, you know, people like ourselves, obviously uh, the sport is interest in what's going on and everything. Um, but, I mean, you've got all this about the football going on and then a tiny... Uh, little uh, energy bills could hit £3,615 this winter as fuel companies boast massive um, profits. I mean, you can't have your cake and eat it. If you can't get your priorities right, um, then obviously you're going to have your problems, aren't you? Exactly. I mean, (laughs) they're making all this profit off people's misery. The people that, you know, that have no chance of them. As I said, they, they, these will all be multimillionaires and God knows what. They're not bothering about the people down below. You know, it's a, it's an absolute disgrace that, that this is happening. So they said they were going to put a windfall tax on them. Windfall tax to what it were two years ago. Any profits more than that, shove it back in the pot and try and help the people that are struggling down below. But will they? No, that will never happen. Well, I would have thought that they shouldn't really be paying any um, any shares at all and any profits to anybody at the moment because um, if everybody everybody has got the problem, uh, those people that have the money obviously it doesn't hit them as hard as the people that don't have the money. So if you suspend, exactly. they've been able to suspend shares in the past, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. You see, all they're doing. It's, it's taxing the, the working class because it's the same when they keep putting cigarettes up, you know, putting massive tax and, and fuel, massive tax on fuel and gas and electric and everything. They're putting all that on and it's just, it's, it's just you know, poor ones that can't afford it. And you can only get so far where you're just going to break and say, well, I can't afford to pay for anything anymore now. I've got no more money left if you keep taxing me on it. It's an absolute disgrace. And I mean, if they're if they're trying to do it via benefits and everything, well, the very fact that they're coming through on benefits as well uh, means that you know that's going to give somebody on benefits even more of a problem at the expense of people who basically are just making money. Uh, Neil, we better exactly. move, we we better move on, on because, quite honestly, it's so infuriating. I'll find something a bit lighter. It's always a bit okay. difficult. Here we go. Okay, so it's a study next, and um, it's revealed that this city that we're going to talk about in a minute uh, is the best city in the world. 
and it's because it, the buildings align with the golden ratio. And using this ratio as a guide, researchers drew up a ranking of the most eye-catching cities on the planet. Venice is second, and then uh, London is third, then Belfast, and then Rome fourth. Get, guess what city they're putting at number one? Um, New York. I'll give you a clue. It's uh, a cathedral and it's a walled city. And it's in England. York. <laughs> OK, well, I mean, you know, it could have been any of those, uh, but they've uh, said Chester. 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 The most beautiful place Chester. in the world. So, well, anyway. Uh, OK. Um, this is um, one of the comments that's come in. Pleased to see that an English city has won. I had friends who lived near Chester 30 years ago and I visited it often. The only problem was it got too crowded and you had to queue up to walk along the street. I do think, however, that Chester is no nicer than places like Winchester, Bath, York, etc. I've been to these many times. We're lucky in this country that we have many beautiful cities and smaller towns. The small market town where I live has two castles and a stunning abbey. Two well-known private schools, virtually every building in the main street is listed and crime is very low. The whole county is beautiful, and what we love, there are no motorways. Well, that doesn't tell you where he lives in actual fact. Um, now, I'll tell you how they actually have come up with this um, as Chester being number one. It's to do with uh, the uh, Dan Brown uh, Da Vinci Code book, and it's a number 1.618 which has been plucked from the famous Fibonacci sequence. And each uh, number in the sum are, is a sum of the previous two. So it begins naught and then one, then one and then two. Anyway, look, I don't understand that bit, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, it's just the way that they've decided that um, this ratio is the key to everything from encrypting computer data to the numbers of spirals on a sunflower head, our own limbs, and why the Mona Lisa is so pleasing to the eye. I don't think the Mona Lisa is that pleasing. Do you? Pleasing? She's a miserable cow. <laughs> Who wants to look at that all day and think, eee, that's making me feel better? I mean, if it were the real one and it were in my, uh, my house, I'd think, oh, well, that's worth a few bob. I'll get rid of that. You know, but other than that, she's a right miserable yeah, it's quite funny uh, because, quite frankly, when we took, um, Anna and I, we took off to have a look at the Louvre and um, we were in these queues, you know, and there's got really fantastic, phenomenal paintings all around you. And then you look at this one and it's this um, it's a strange little thing where apparently the eyes follow you around the room. Well, I, that did nothing for me, I've got to say. And... Um, and was even complaining that one of the figures there that they were all cooing up to see, uh, it looked like the arm had been broken. So she didn't like that one either. <laughs> <laughs> but how do these mathematicians come up with all this thing? From somebody like me, Cromwell Road, you know, is going to be able to work that out. You know, if they send it to me, Paul, and say, now this is how we do it, I'd be no further on than when I opened the letter, yeah. would we? No, I'd be exactly you know, the same. In, in fact, there's one something and then one bit with a bit of two in it, and then a two with a, a one in it, and it's like, well, hang on a minute here. But where, where, where are you coming from? I, I'm I'm not bad at maths, you know, and English and stuff like that. But they're going way out of our league, aren't they? Like they've come from moon. Well, you're absolutely right, and I do notice that, um, you know, I've got friends who are architects. And um, they're off the wall. I mean, by all means, they do come up with some wonderful stuff. And when you look at the buildings in Benidorm, for example, you do think to yourself, goodness gracious me, how do they manage to um, keep those buildings up? You know, but um, I mean, apart from the stuff that you normally get, Chester's congested all the time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah you can't move in Chester. No. <clears throat> to be honest, it's not that big neither, is it? You know, it's not like, you know, there's some spectacular things there. There's a race course, I suppose, that if you're a gambler, that, that suits you. But yeah, the old, other than that, I can't think. 
that was the, the oldest race course in uh, the UK, that one. So um, it, that would mean yeah. it's got to be one of the older ones in the world. So there we are. Yeah. Okay. How many, how many points did we get for that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, let me give you um, our next one then. Stand by. Right. So, Birmingham has long had a special place in my heart. This is what the article was saying. I fell deeply in love there um, there, and visited uh, dozens of times for work, enjoying the pubs and the people. Then for nearly two decades, I went regularly to see a close family friend. So, it was with much anticipation that, like you and I, Neil, uh, sat down, we did, to watch the opening ceremony of the 2022 Commonwealth Games. Only to collapse in despair, says this person, at the hand-wringing, baffling event, uh, losing count after 15 of the number of times I heard the word diversity and gave up the will to live when I had inclusivity preached at me more than 30 times, expecting a celebration of off uh, the great things uh, that brummy, the sense of humour, the talent for self-deprecation, Stoicism, work ethic, capacity for fun, rich heritage, vibrant multicultural population. I got instead a woke BBC whinge fest. Are we really supposed to celebrate the fact that more women will get medals at these games than men? How is it that uh, inclusive and, uh, and as much as we admire her... What does the Pakistani girlfriend, uh, schoolgirl Malala Yousafzai, who settled in Birmingham, have to do with sport? Every child deserves the chance to pursue her wildest dreams, uh, she said. Sorry, lads, you're excluded from that too. Um, first of all, have you been watching the games? I've been watching the games. Uh, I agree entirely with that, that quote that you've just put from the papers about... To be honest, the, the woke BBC. Every every programme you see now on BBC is getting ridiculous. You, you just want to turn it off and say, forget it. I don't know I don't know who's behind it all, but it's an absolute nonsense. You know, it, it, like, it's sport. Let's get on with the sport. You know, all it no, we've got bell ringing and all that. I, I turned it off, to be honest. I turned it over for someone else. Yeah. I just couldn't be bothered with it. All this patronising and God knows what. No, it's not for me. Okay, uh, I don't disagree with anything you've said there because I feel the same. And in fact, uh, it's not just the BBC, is it? It's virtually everything. Um, well, they're all they're all working their way to it, aren't they? As I said, here we go again. Another ninety-eight percent who who are not offended are being ruled by the two percent that say they are offended. How, how can that work? If everybody, if the ninety-eight stop paying the the license fees, they soon come up with something new. Well, I think the only way it can work gives more credence to the, the times that maybe myself and other people are saying, look, you know, it's got to be about ownership. So whoever owns the media, uh, they decide what we talk about, what we watch, what we pursue, how we talk. I mean, this business of transgender, the only... Uh, Good little bit of information I did pick up in the papers today. I think it was Louisiana in uh, the United States are now saying that any men who uh, reckon that they're now ladies and any young lads that reckon they're now young girls, they cannot uh, take part in female sport. And I have to say that that makes sense to me because... Um, you don't see many the other way round. I mean, there's the odd girl that would like to play football, probably in a male team. I was reading that one of the Lionesses um, was playing for Arsenal Academy and the FA would not let her play for the men's or the, the boys' teams, you know. Um, yeah. But, I mean, really... I, 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 I agree with what you're saying there, 100%. Uh, and it's up to the women, really. You know, do you want to, do you want to come and weightlift against a man? You know, who's who's about six stone, you know, heavier than you to, you know, you know what I mean? Or run or anything, any sport, any strength sport, anything like that. Women can't compete against the men's thing. You might get the odd one every now and again, but it's ridiculous. 
If you if you're born a man, you're a man. If you're born a woman, you're a woman. I don't care what you want to do to yourself, but you're still a man or a woman. That's what it says on your birth certificate, and that's what you are. I think most most fellas, certainly coming from where we um, originated and started out our journeys, I think if we were to go into uh, a particular room which we knew were full of people who were not the same as us um, and were co- coming up with all these weird ideas, um, I don't think we'd want to change in that particular environment. I mean, you know, um, okay, you can look after yourself, uh, but at the same time, why are people giving us these problems that never used to exist? That's what I want to know. Exactly. Exactly. That's the point itself. Right, so now we've got gents' toilets, ladies' toilets, and no transgender. But if you're part transgender and you're a man and there's a woman in the toilet, you'd have, you'd have got arrested for that a few years ago. You, um, a, a man, a male, walk, walking in a women's toilet, basically, because that, that's what these transgender toilets are, aren't they? You know, they for, if, if you want to be a woman or, you know, you want to be fluid or whatever they call it now, you can go in anybody's shop. No, oh, do me a favour, will you? Well, when you look at... I, I think they're de- de- downgrading women here. That, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you know, some some group of people have got to be behind this nonsense because you go yeah. out into society and you look at the numbers of people we're talking about and they're very, very far and few between. And it's almost like we're being made to feel that we're in the wrong for being normal, if we want to use that word. Yeah, I'm with you there, 100%. I mean, looking at Unbelievable. the... Looking at the games, yes, I uh, am quite happy that they've got the uh, Paralympics and you've got certain categories which you do have to maybe think of some new way of trying to make the playing field even. Um, but don't bring us all into this without any real reason and real need uh, because it's spoiling life for most of us, isn't it, really? Well, well, you've just hit the nail on the head there. Paralympics, right, Have a, or amputees or whatever. Well, I had me, I, let's just say I had my finger off, right, and I'm going running against somebody with a leg missing or whatever. Could I be allowed for going that? Or because I've, I've had my, you know, my finger off, I trapped it at work or whatever. It's, you know, that, that's that's how absurd it's going to get. If they want to have transgender games, you sort, sort them all out with transgender people and let them have their own games. I haven't got a problem with that. The the Paralympics, I think they're very good because they've had to work twice as hard as, as probably anybody else. Yeah. You know, in in whatever sport that they pick, but you can't just you know go along and say, oh well. You know, I'm I'm a man, but I can go and start running against women or weightlifting against women or whatever, and and, and you know, and expect a woman to win. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I think also people need to look a little bit into other areas of life because we've discussed this on other podcasts, whereby, for example, um, they've got transgender people going into the schools and being paid good money to deliver sex education. I mean, you know, um, what is the point of that? There's only one point for me. It's got to be indoctrination. Otherwise, why don't you just just use a normal person otherwise? Exactly. Use a man and a woman for sex education, not part man and, you know, and, and maybe a woman or whatever, you know, if it carries on like this, every time you go and meet a girl, like we used to go to dances and meet girls and this, and that, what's the first question you're going to ask them? Uh, excuse me, love, have you always been a woman? You know what I mean? Otherwise, you will hang on a minute, you know. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Let's find something else for you. Uh, let's see. We'll go to this one. Okay, to a famous uh, friend of yours, Sir Keith Starmer. Um, 
Facing a major crisis as trade unions threaten to stop funding Labour over his lack of support for strike. Unite, the opposition's main financial backer, called on Sir Kia uh, to decide which side he was on and warned there was no point giving money to a party that no longer supports workers. Yet uh, Sir Kia can win power. The Labour leader sparked anger last week after he sacked Sam Tarry, the party's transport spokesman, for making up policy on the hoof while being interviewed on a picket line. So, um, I'm looking at the comments. Uh, the first one came from, funny enough, Manchester. Um, ooh, uh, so the unions want Labour to stop workers by supporting strikes that prevent for larger number of workers getting to work, not to mention patients being unable to get to the doctors and hospital appointments, holidaymakers to get their destination for their one-off, uh, unchangeable and irreplaceable holiday, etc. So, first of all, what do you think of that person's comment? Exactly. You know, I were a, a, a labour man all my life, a shop steward and this, that and the other. And... It's it's just getting ridiculous with the left. The the the, the union unite and all them. They they want somebody like Corbyn to come beating drums and this that and the other, but they don't help themselves. Everybody's looking for an holiday because they've not been able to have one for two years, and then they all start going on strike. Do you think that's going to help them? I don't think it's going to help them. You know, and this this guy who uh, who went on the uh, onto the picket line. Uh, Keir Starmer yeah, sacked him but there have been others that have gone on and he were on one a, few, a couple of years ago Keir Starmer you know so do you sack does he, does he sack himself but I mean Keir, I mean, there's a clue in it isn't there Sir Keir Starmer is going to be late, uh, leader at Labour Party just hang on a minute <laughs> please you know let's let's get it right he's more Tory than anybody he's got to be with a name like that yeah you know and, and the minute the minute they do get him They'll be starting shooting him down about Jimmy Savile and other things will come out at, out at cupboards and, you know, you know, but Labour are just shooting themselves in foot all the time. No, I'm with you. you. Know, and I'm, totally well, I, I'm not bothered about that anymore because the, when I got let down with Tony Blair and Gordon Brown selling off all our wealth and all this and the other because it were, it were half of their idea, that, that's when I finished. Never again would I vote Labour, ever. And nothing's got nothing's been done for me to change my mind. They've actually gone worse. Okay, well, I've got somebody called Mike in the West Midlands, and he says the unions should start their own party and stand as MPs. Labour should stand for the working British person and get rid of the momentum party within the party. Until then, they're not to be trusted. Now, I think that the the younger people coming through, a lot of them don't really understand the traditions and uh, the difficult parts of where all, all these politicians come from. Uh, let's be honest about it. If you go to university, you're already in a favoured position, aren't you? Yeah. I think that's going to be... As, that, but I, I agree exactly what he's saying. Right, all these, you know, don't forget... We, we all pay our subs into, you know, into unions. You know, if, if you're, a, you know, you're, you're a worker, working class, you pay your money into unions. Some of your wages go into unions for these lots who have a, you know, an absolute belting day of it and you know, a belting life of it all. You all end up with big houses and two jags and God knows what. But I, exactly what he's saying. If, if all you lot want to go, you go as you know, another party and let the Labour Party start again for the reason it would it would first brought in. That's for the working class people. I think that... not all you lot that are, are already getting rich off of them, you know, off them, and then you want everybody to go on strike and upset everybody in country. Yeah, I think part of the problem is that when you look at um when you look at the rank and file and then when you look at the people in parliament and then you look at the money that the, the parliamentarians get i think by definition because they get this sort of over 150,000 sort of 
collection of money that they can then put down as their income. Uh, you spend differently and you're more likely to be mixing with a different class of person, aren't you? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, honestly, it's really to say that we're all from working class and this, that, and the other. Well, how come you've got massive big houses and houses abroad, you know, holiday homes and God knows what? Yeah. No, they don't. They don't start putting all that out, you know, how much they're on and how much expenses they're on. You know, it's an absolute joke. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me find you the next one then. Uh, we'll go to this one. Let's see. We'll go to this. I'm reminding our listeners that these articles in the paper often are hidden. And this one was about a burglar uh, climbed over the high garden fence, creeping into my house through French windows early one morning as I sat a few feet away from him in the kitchen. He was wearing a Covid mask, bare-chested with slider sandals. I don't know what he means by that, but never mind, there must be a reason. On his feet and low-slung jogger pants, revealing the top of his red boxers. Yeah. Six minutes later, he left by the same route, this time with my lopped laptop. Um, Smythson wallet and three bank cards in his gloved hands. I never saw him in the flesh, but the break-in... Uh, soon after 6.10am was captured by the closed-circuit TV cameras on the outside of my home. I realised that I'd been burgled only after he'd gone as I searched for my laptop and couldn't find it. My first call was to 999, where a policewoman asked me which emergency service I wanted. Diverted to the police, they took the break in seriously. I was a woman alone that morning in my house, and shaken up. They would be sending some officers round to me. I was given a four-digit crime number. Now, I was in the hands of the Metropolitan Police, a force that is under special measures, awaiting a new chief constable. Uh, the last one, of course, uh, was shown the door. Cressida Dick, I think she's referring to there. Yeah. And has a woeful yeah. recent re record for convicting house burglars. I didn't expect too much. Now, um, the comment that I picked up was from a guy in Durham, and he says, I note that those who roll over us, rule over us, and deny us the right to be able to protect ourselves usually live in secure or gated properties protected by police or security services. The rich and powerful have the finest security our taxes can buy. What do yeah. you reckon? What do you reckon is yeah. the, the big problem with this well, one? Try, yeah, try, try and be break into a chief of police or a judge's uh, house and this, that, and the other. They're all, you know, they're all over in, you know, massive security all the way around and big walls up and this, that, and the other. You know what I mean? It, yeah, it's it really annoys me that I don't know whether she's got her stuff back or whether the police have caught him or whatever, but when he does, he just got a slap on wrist, don't do it again, and by the time the night time comes or following early morning, he'll be breaking in somebody else's houses. You know, the punishment, you know, doesn't fit the crime, well, as it, we've been saying for donkey jerks. Exactly, and um, we'll, we'll repeat over uh, our, our podcast what we could be doing. I mean, you know, they could have a building programme, uh, they could build a lot more jails. Uh, certainly, uh, you've got to be reminded that there are 700 illegal immigrants coming into Britain only today. Apparently, that was the record for a day. I mean, y you know, the thing is, it's got stupid, uh, more ridiculous that everybody can see through a lot of the plan now, but nobody's doing anything to stop it. And if you can't really... Exactly. I mean, if you can't really... Um, protect your own property anymore who's going to look after um the people who basically want to live peacefully and not cause other problems exactly exactly as i say they, they've stopped this this plane that once, once you find out they're illegal get them on that plane send them back well we're supposed to be sending them to rwanda aren't we where everything's all set up for them well there you go 
you know, they're not in any danger there or anything else. But, oh, here we go. All the do-gooders are then are banging drums and God knows what and putting flags up and having marches. Oh, they're really poor people. Yeah, if you have a look at 90% of them, they're 18 to 30s with mobile phones, Adidas tracksuits on, no kids, no women. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's nonsense, isn't it? Yeah. Leave the women to to get blown up then if they're in a war-torn place and and we'll just go go make a new life for ourselves in the UK. Get that benefit system sorted out right across the board. I don't mean just for illegal immigrants. There are all these that are conning, conning their way through it as well. When, when we actually, as people that have lived our lives, taxpaying, um, you know, doing things we've been asked to do, carrying papers here in Spain to make sure, uh, I mean, even if you just go for a walk around the block, you've got to take your papers with you. And yet, day in and day out, you've got people landing on the coast of Britain um, in days gone by, we were having the the, the civil guard, weren't they? The the, uh, the old timers were paid to actually patrol and stop people coming up on the beaches. Uh, I don't know what's going exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah, that, right here we, we have our TIE thing, don't we, and a driving license with our photograph on and, and and all our you know everything that's on this little car. I haven't got I haven't got a problem carrying a little card in my pocket where I'm going out and this, that, and the other. Because if I'm doing nothing wrong, then I've got no no worries or fears about anything. Right? So all these are saying, oh, it's against his human rights here to be carrying it. No, it's for the police to find out who he is. You know, if he's got, if he's got no papers, that's when you've got a problem. Get him in and get him shifted back. What what I... What I find incredible is you hear these people who are defending these people all the time. You know, they're they're, um, migrants. Um, But they're not migrants. They're illegal immigrants. Immigrants, correct. There's a a wording. And they keep saying, oh, we've had more migrants come over. No, we haven't. We've had illegal immigrants coming over. That's what we've had. And so illegal means you, you shouldn't be here. So you shouldn't be here. You're on that plane. Away you go. Simple. But they keep they keep threatening all oh, this, that, and the other. And, and and now there's a massive crisis all over UK, and we're still messing about with all these boat people that are coming. We keep paying France billions and billions of pounds. Do you think they're bothered that somebody's got in a boat and just going to go 22 mile? No, they're not. They couldn't care less because they'll be getting a few quid extra off off UK. It's an absolute disgrace. Well, I think it's not only an absolute disgrace, but you can see it's a way they're trying to undermine Britain's economy um, and, yep. uh, you know, take away the, the great part of Britain. Now, the alternative has been outlined in an article I picked up, and I'm going to read it to you. And uh, this is by Constantine Kiesin. And when people decry the evils of Western capitalism... Um, This particular guy remembers the words of his grandmother who told him people were jailed for inadvertently having their chips wrapped in a newspaper with Stalin's face in it. When people decry the evils of Western capitalism, Constantine remembers the words again. She told him that during their childhood in the USSR, um, you know, I've told you about the chips and... Basically, she's gone on a bit more about that. Uh, He's a journalist and a comedian who was born in the Soviet Union in 1982. At the age of 11, he was sent to school in the UK by his parents. He knew that the West would give him a much uh, better future, and he's lived here ever since. Unlike those fans of communism, uh, he comes from a family who knows what it can lead to. His great-grandmother did 10 years hard labour in a a Soviet gulag for criticising the Stalin regime. Uh, When his grandfather questioned the 1979 invasion of Afghanistan, not only was he ostracised, but so were his relatives. His son, Kristin's father, uh, was thrown out of university. Unlike those fans of communism, Kissin comes from a family... And uh, it gives you a bit more detail that we don't need. And should anyone on the left 
Um, let me just scroll this down. Um, reply that those were the bad old days. Kissin will point them to the corruption of modern Russia. Last year, a policeman there was found to have a gold-plated toilet in his home. But it isn't only the politicians and officials who are at fault. It's the philosophy itself. Socialism's answer to poverty is the equivalent of helping wheelchair users by cutting every, everyone else's legs off. John F. Kennedy used to say of capitalism, a rising tide lifts all boats. Kissin's verdict is that the free market has liberated more people from poverty than anything else, yet it is portrayed as wholly exploitative. Nathan Robinson, the author of Why You Should Be a Socialist, says that the moral imperative is to place the economy under the control of the people. Yet, as Kissin points out, the truth is, is already is. Consumers assert their democratic power with every penny they spend. And it isn't only in uh, economics that Kissin thinks West is best. There's the question of free speech, or as he calls it, the ultimate disinfectant for bad ideas. That's a good, a good phrase, that actually, isn't it? That's a good phrase, that is, yeah. 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 His experience as a stand-up comic has shown him the threat this previous uh, precious commodity is currently under. In 2018, having been booked for a gig at the University of London, he was asked by student leaders to sign a contract forbidding him from making jokes. Now, this is the bit that you and I will both take note of because we've both been involved in show business and uh, making jokes relating to racism, sexism, classism, ageism, homophobia, biphobia, xenophobia, Islamophobia, anti-religion or anti-atheism. So, well, what on earth is he going to talk about? Well, exactly. I don't think he's got any idea what he's going to talk about because that's ex every joke that's been ever been said, I, you know, uh, right over the right over the bracket, isn't it? You know, <laughs> yeah. What, what are you going to talk about? All these all these comedians that are, as you see on BBC, I think they've signed the same thing, haven't they? And they come up with some jokes, and I don't know anybody who laughs. I mean, I'm at I'm an age now that I can remember people telling jokes and they were actually funny and people laughed at them. Now, I hear every comedian that comes on telly and there's not a laugh amongst them. They've put canned laughter on. You know, that's how funny they are. They've put canned laughter on. It's nonsense. Well, I mean, when, when you took people like Bernard Manning, yeah, of yeah. course... Uh, he was outrageous at times, and um, obviously... Yeah, but it was a joke. But people... That's what I'm saying. Well, whether you get Bernard Manning or all the other old comedians, I mean, even uh, Charlie... Charlie... Um, what's his name? The coloured lad from... Uh, Charlie from White. Charlie White? Charlie White. Yeah. He used to tell all kinds of jokes. Black, white, Irish, Scottish, uh, mother-in-laws. Uh, you've got to accept it. As the joke, listen to what he says, and it makes a joke. Not that it's somewhat true, it's a joke. And if you make you laugh, that's what you're paying them for. But now you can't say anything about anything. You know, it's an absolute... There's no point in going watching all these new comedians because I've seen them on telly and I think, well, I won't be paying to go to your gig, pal. You know. Yeah, I must admit, I feel exactly the same. There are one or two that do uh, do the job, uh, but um, you, you see them less and less probably because of exactly what we're talking about. When we talk about these people that, I mean, week in and week out now, I've suggested that there's a huge communist in, in, in input in the whole of Britain. Uh, your Extinction Rebellion, your Black Lives Matter, all these other things. I think um, they've been seen for what they can do to help promote unrest in Britain. And I have to say, I think students were always the most vulnerable because um, they don't seem to understand the concept of working and having to like save your money and then eventually have enough to do what you want with your money. I think they've lost that concept personally. I think that's what it's been about. They definitely have. They definitely, I'm with you 100% on that. And that's part of the, the communist thing is to downtrod down everybody that they can. And, you know, it's, it's an absolute 
it's an awful place to be, you know. No, nobody ever wants all that. But as you say, these students, I mean, yeah, students went out on Band the Bomb and this, that, and the other donkeys years ago. But once they, once they finished at university, they took on board that I need to get a job so I can afford my own house. I mean, if, if you weren't out of your own house at 17, your dad would say to you, well, you better make sure you, you're out by 18 because we're not keep living on us like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's none of them. But now they think they're staying with their mums and dads till they're 30 and 40. Well, of course. Well, what have you been doing all your life? A lot of that is actually relevant to the way people grow up here in Spain. I mean, lots of fellas, they live with the mother till, you know, you can see them 50s and they're out shopping in the supermarkets. I mean, really, that's not the way to develop. But um, at the same time, I mean, you, you do admire the fact that they do they do want the family to obviously be strong. But now it would appear even in Spain there are things that uh, Podemos have been able to drag the uh, PSOE, yeah. the Labour Party, right out and um, do things that I would never have thought would happen in Spain, but they seem to be coming in. Um, you know, for example, when we look at the, the unions, the unions seemed to be a lot stronger in Spain at certain times. But now we're going back to the 70s and the, the troubles really in Britain with the unions, aren't we? Yeah, right. The, the, the guy on from Birmingham. The unions ruined our motor industry. Completely and utterly ruined it through coming in with the communist idea that, no, you can't use that spanner, he's got to use that. But, well, how am I going to get this job done then if I can't use that spanner? Oh, no, no, no. Well, well right, we're going on strike. We're having strike. It was strikes every other week. And it absolutely ruined it. And then they've all gone abroad now. But going back to the Spanish, that 50-year-old who's doing his mother's shopping, it, it goes back to their granddad and great-granddad who have grafted, bought all these houses. And you know in here, the, the, the old Spanish, they have two or three houses, but they, they won't give them them because they're telling them, you need to go and work for this money, you know, to live in this house and you pay your rent. And that's what happens. Uh-huh. But no, they, they just want just to carry on through. And part of that is that we're giving them enough benefits to to do nothing. Well, of you course, the, the, the other thing here in Spain is the inheritance is different to Britain. I mean, whether or not somebody wants maybe to leave their will in, an, in another way, um, they have to go through a lot of hoops to change it because the Napoleonic law is that basically if you've got three kids, it's all shared between three kids, you know, and it doesn't matter whether three you've kids. fallen out or anything. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And, and if somebody wants, you know, say I wanted to buy another house for my daughter for come over and live, you've got to go through every member at family and if one disagrees, then they don't sell the house. And he might be the, the most well-off. Say there were six kids, and he's the most well-off, and the other five say, yeah, and we can share it out between us. And if he's the one that says, well, I don't really need that much money, I'm not bothered, he won't sign to, to, to sell it. He just sits there doing nothing. Yeah. You know, that, that's how it works here. Hmm. You've, got, you've got to jump through a million hoops for, you know, buy a house off a Spanish family, especially if it's a big Spanish family. Yeah. OK, uh, let's find our next one then. Another article that took my eye for for while the Me Too movement and everyone is invited, a site that has hit the headlines for exposing rape culture in schools and universities through anonymous testimonies, usually from girls, and they have undoubtedly helped unmask disturbing predatory male behaviour. They've also helped breed a generation of young women and girls who see all boys as predators. Today, it seems that so many young women are primed to see every tiny misstep by their male peers as sexual assault, from an ill-judged kiss to an attempt to hold hands. Anything that makes them feel even a bad, uh, a tad uncomfortable 
Often long after the fact, it's deemed to be assault. It doesn't matter if the boy involved is as clueless as they are about the nuances of relationships or how to express new burgeoning sexual feelings. I have sons. I am too scared to say how many in case it helps identify my family. And throughout their young lives, they have routinely been told by their young female friends that they hate men and that all men are rapists. So fevered has the atmosphere among young women become that today something as innocent as a male tapping you on the shoulder can be construed as assault. This is ridiculous, isn't it? Um, That's what I'm saying. It's going, it's going from, the, from the sublime to the ridiculous. You know, you touch a girl and say, excuse me, love, uh, would you like a drink and, and a natter? Oh, you've just touched me. Oh, you've assaulted me. Oh, you know, hang on a minute, please. Well, this is oh, this goodness. is a lady. What's it to? Yeah, this is a lady actually defending her son, and she says, "Let me be clear. I abhor the fact that violence against women is still such a problem. It breaks my heart every time I read about the latest young woman who's been attacked, raped, and even murdered on our streets." I've always taught my sons to respect women and make sure their female friends get home safe. I firmly believe girls have the right to call out bad behaviour and be listened to. I agree with all that. Yet I deplore the exactly. way... I'm 100%, I'm 100% with that as well. Okay. I would always taught that. Yeah. You treat, you treat women with respect like you treat your elders with respect. Exactly. Uh, then she goes on to say, Yet I deplore the way this has created a chilling new double standard. When girls make mistakes or behave badly... It's viewed as a forgivable rite of passage. But when ex inexperienced young boys do the same, they often face toxic accusations which can quite literally uh, destroy lives. I should know, my son is one such inexperienced boy and because of this, our lives have been a living hell for the past three years. Age 13 in 2019, my son was just starting to get interested in girls got involved in flirtations with a few girls and uh, one sent him a topless photo by phone. Apparently this is shockingly common practice amongst early teens. With another girl, there was saucy texting and some mutual touching. While I might not condone this behaviour, I also knew this is pretty much par for the course for most teens in the 21st century. It's also uh, notable that the parties involved were the same age. There was zero question of full-blown sex taking place and all the behaviour was mutual and, as far as my son was, uh, was aware, consensual. When one of the girl's mothers confiscated her daughter's phone and found the messages, all this came to the attention of the school and the stark difference between the treatment of school boys and girls became evident. To my son, son's lifelong cost... The girls who were equally culpable as sending nude photographs, he is both on an offence and against school rules and were dealt with discreetly. A quiet word was had with them and their parents and that was an end to it. Conversely, so the girls' discreet discretion. Conversely, my son, who'd never been in trouble before, was suspended for two days. The final step before expulsion... The school's rationale was that the other pupils would see this as justice. I never forgive myself for failing to fight the school's decision to suspend him. I was naive. I've never had a call about bad behaviour before, so suspension was beyond all my experience. I believe uh, the school knew best. It didn't. What followed was a merciless campaign of intimidation and bullying. My son was called a rapist a nonce, and told he should be castrated. He was urged to kill himself on a daily basis. He was attacked by a mob in the, in the playground and one boy threatened to stab him. We brought all this to the school's attention, but it failed to act. Too terrified to defend a boy who has now had a reputation as a sexual predator. That's heavy going, that, Neil, isn't it? That's really heavy. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So, she can send topless photos or anything else and flirty flirty messages to him. He sends them to her uh, and they, they, they're both quite happy with it all. And then 
a mother finds a, a daughter's phone, goes through it all, and it's the son that's in the wrong. Uh, it's it's the lad who's in the wrong all the time. How does that work? Well, Somebody please tell me. And yet the girl gets a listen. Don't be sending lads any more photographs of yourself and this, that, and the other. And he's getting suspension and then being bullied at school and then being being shouted at as a rapist and God knows what. It's an absolute joke. Schools are getting way, way too, too, uh, you know, just out of the game altogether, you know. And I, I get it that these these girls now are being saying, "Oh, if anybody touches you, you report them straight away." This that, and the other. Not like that the girl probably wanted to be touched or kissed or, you know, took out for a drink and have an eye out. Yeah, I, I, I abhor men bullying women or taking advantage of women. You know, that's that, that's never been our game from no. from when we were kids anyway. But now, it's, it, they're flipping it the other way. That everybody, you know, is a, every man is a rapist or a, a torturer or a paedophile or whatever. No, that's not how it works. I think the problem is that um, I think people don't really understand just how bad the girls can be. I mean, as a teacher, I could see a, a bit of a change in the way that the girls were behaving when I was about ready to leave um, and get away from teaching, you know. But um, yeah. I do have uh, family who tell me, I mean, uh, one particular um, uh, nephew he is, is... Um, a great, great big strapping lad, rugby player and everything. And the things the girls will say to him is, um, you know, it's obnoxious. It's it's sexist. Uh, but he can't do anything about it. He can't report it because, you know, he's a great big strapping lad. He, they, they'd laugh at, laugh at the fact that he was complaining. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it beggars belief, doesn't it? It just beggars belief. It's, oh, I don't know. You know, I've had girls come on to me years ago. You, you know, there were groupies everywhere. Yeah, of you know course. what I mean. But but now, everybody just wants to, you know, like they're, they're shouting at him. You know, it, no, it's an offence to wolf whistle, yeah. right? Well, hang on a minute. A wolf whistle to the to a woman, you should be. Ooh, I must be looking good today yeah. because I've been wolf whistled at. And they take it as, as a compliment. No, it's as though you, 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 you're going to chop her head off or you're going to, you know, beat her up or something like that. Because you see a nice-looking woman, you go, whoa, you know, oh, all of a sudden, oh, you're in cause and this, that, and the other. Well, you, <laughs> can't have your, you can't have your cake and eat it. If you've got the, yeah. the goal scorer of the England Lionesses running around the stadium with a, bar, with, with a bra, uh, you know, a, a shirt off, uh, whirling it yeah. round in the air. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to decide what do you want, and uh, you, you can't have double standards. And that's what we're getting, aren't we? Uh, yeah, too many of them. Okay. On a lighter note, did you enjoy the girls winning against Germany? Oh, of course I did. I, I like anybody beating Germany, yeah. any football team. Okay. Yeah. Should but I still think, and I, and I did watch it, but I still think it's. Uh, it's like watching men's football in slow motion. Well, we saw it's that not as fast. We saw that in the charity shield, I think, didn't we? Yeah, I yeah. Think, think we. But did. I'm saying it to, to me. It's just like watching a man's game, but in you know, but, but on a video on slow motion, you know. But hey, every credit to him. Trust me, I'm, I'm pleased for them all. And you see. The only problem I have now is when they go away now and they go back to their own clubs, are they going to be pulling in 20,000, 30,000 that can sustain, you know, that, that club existing? Do you know what I mean? Well, it'd be it, interesting it, to you see know, that. You're never, you're never going to get them on 500,000 a week unless, you know, uh, all the, you know there's 75,000 every week at Old Trafford, there's 60,000 at City, there's 60,000 coming up at Liverpool and, and all that, and, and, and all these sponsors. You know, you've got to get them all on board. But I hope they do. And I hope they have their own league. And I hope it works out well for them. Well, but, as I say, it just seems so slow for me, yeah. you know, how, how, they, how they play. All right, Neil. Well, look, uh, let me just put the music on. And uh, we have managed to get through an hour. 
Um, hopefully the technology's done us proud and look forward uh, to chatting with you next week. And you, Vince. Lovely. Thank you, Neil. All right. Bye now. Okay. Hope everything, everybody, everything's all right there with that uh, with the podcast. So yeah. I'll see you next week. See you Lovely. next week. Thanks, Neil. Bye bye. See you later. Bye, Vince.